You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Welcome back, everyone, to another exciting episode of the MJ Sportscast. As usual, I'm joined by Jerry Yang. This is Mike Tang. Jerry, how are you doing today, man? Good, man. This uh, NFL offseason has been pretty wild, huh? Like, a lot of movement. You know, like normal offseasons, it's kind of like how Aaron, the Aaron Rodgers situation turned out where you hear a lot of rumors of a quarterback moving to another franchise or hearing a lot of rumors of moving conferences, maybe even moving within their division. And then once the free agency period opens up, they just stay with their team, right? But this season, man, it's been the opposite of that. (laughs) I think they, Jameis Winston's the only one that came back, which is kind of wild. I think the Deshaun Watson thing, Kind of triggered a lot of uh, other things that happened, but but yeah, what do you think of this off season so far? Yeah, it's been pretty exciting to be honest with you. Um, I'm just going to echo what you mentioned. You know, a lot of moving parts um, here. Um, I th- I just think that there's you know with the increased salary cap that's coming up um, here, you know, owners are more willing to spend a little bit more money and splash around a little bit as opposed to, you know, the previous pass off seasons. Um, so we've been uh, kind of seeing that, you know, especially with the quarterback market um, and also teams are just willing to kind of pay players at this point. So uh, what do you think so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been wild. You know, I think it's like you said, I think the caps been, um, you know, the increase. And I think specifically the AFC West has gotten really tough. Right, like with the addition of Russell Wilson there, and then you know that's why I think there's a lot of rumors that um, you know more players are coming into that division. I think it all started with Casey initially, with uh, Pat Mahomes getting a lot better, and then Justin Herbert getting a lot better, and you know the Raiders got better. Right, the Raiders made some splash signings. They got Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams, and you know um, we actually have a special guest today. Right. So maybe I think this is a good time to bring it in to kind of talk about uh, the Raiders. So we have our buddy uh, Jeff, Jeff Wong joining us, our Raiders expert. So, Jeff, thanks for joining us. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on and um, talk about the Raiders. Yeah, man. Like, you know, like I think low key, the Raiders have been making a lot of good moves and got good signings. I mean, specifically, I think Chandler Jones was a huge get for you guys. And then no one knew that Devontae Adams was going to be in the market to go to the Raiders, right? I think a lot of people assumed they're going to stay with Green Bay, especially when uh, he got franchise tagged there. Um, What are your thoughts, man? I think being really close with the team and knowing that you have this new team built, um, you know, what do you think about the Raiders' uh, free agent moves so far? Yeah, great question. I'm very excited. So, I mean, they had a decent season last season, despite all the chaos. Um, you know, I think it was just, they were fortunate actually to win 10 games and sneak in 
playoffs. So, and what they did was actually pretty, um, pretty impressive considering the circumstances they dealt with last year. So this off season so far, I'm loving it. You know, obviously the Raiders made a lot of moves, you know, with the GM, new coach, basically bringing, bringing in a whole new regime. But I think, you know, why they saw the potential of the Raiders was and why they wanted to take over this particular team. Cause you know, they obviously have upside and, you know, I think they just need the right leadership, the right coaching to really to get them to the next level. Um, you know, they've been teasing the fan base for so long, but now I think they're really pretty much on the map. And I, so far, I love the moves so far. They're aggressive. The new regime has been extremely aggressive, pretty much getting the number one defensive end in the, in the free agency market with Chandler Jones. Um, this guy has, I, I was shocked, but he has 107 sacks in his career. And, um, you know, so that's just going to short the D line and pairing him with Max Crosby hmm. is going to bring a lot of pressure and a lot of chaos. Uh, for opposing quarterbacks to deal with. And then Adams, you know, what else can you say? I think everybody knows what Devontae Adams is capable of and what he displayed in Green Bay. So he's just going to shore up and he's just going to make the offense even more prolific at this point. Yeah, I actually feel really confident now that, you know, uh, Josh McDaniels took over. I would have been more worried for the Raiders if it was still John Gruden um, Mm -hmm. and that regime, right? Mainly because um, he hasn't been proven either, right? Whereas Josh... Uh, McDaniels, I think, actually made the playoffs with Tim Tebow, you know, and he has an impressive resume with the Patriots and learning that system. So you're kind of getting the best offensive coordinator turned coach in some ways, right? So, and with the league leaning more towards offense, uh, I think the Raiders have a big advantage here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't, you know, if John Gruden was with the team still, I don't think he makes this move, you know, and you know, when he joined the Raiders as the coach, it was all about him and his ego, right? Where he was like, you know what, Khalil Mack, you want some top dollars? We're not going to pay you and we're going to ship you out. You know, and we're, we're not getting as much as in return. Um, also with uh, Amari Cooper, too. They mm-hmm. shipped him out when, honestly, who was going to replace Amari Cooper as the number one receiver? There was mm-hmm. really no one on that roster to do it um, here. So I think McDaniels is really... Um, going complete 180 in terms of trying to win now, spending dollars now. People say that he's going the Belichick route, but Belichick never really, he never really did this move where he traded for a player and then re-signed him to one of the top, one of the top position, you know, players in that field. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of in between here because I can see what McDaniel's is doing, mm-hmm. right? And you got to applaud him for trying to get the best talent out there. But damn, Devontae Adams is 30 years old and they extended him to what, like a four or five year contract, right? So he'll be 34, 35, making what, $30 million a year. So we don't know how he's going to be in four or five years. But at the same time, I think the Raiders are just going for it. They're just totally yeah, and I think Dave right Ziegler, the GM, gets a lot of credit too, right? I think a lot of people think Josh McDaniels making all the calls, but I feel like hiring Ziegler was actually the difference maker, you know, and having him in charge of real GM with experience. So, but yeah, like Jeff, I, I want you to respond to Mike's comment there. What do you think? I think there, the signing of Devontae Adams definitely is polarizing, right? You have one camp that's really excited what Raiders did it, but then you have another camp that's thinking what Mike's saying. You're kind of tying a lot of money in one player that's, you know, on the latter half or the opposite end, I guess, of the peak. So what do you think? Yeah, I can I could see some of the um, 
you know, it was an aggressive move. Is it, you know, it was a big commitment financially, but I mean, I'm, I think, you know, we're talking about Devontae Adams here and plus, um, you know, he, he, he really wanted to play with the, for the Raiders, you know, and he, you know, him and Carr, you know, played in college together and they were spectacular in college together. You know, I, I read some stuff. They, they, Devontae Adams caught like 38 touchdowns from Carr in those two years that they were at Fresno State. So they were like a lethal combination. You know, from what I know, that's Carr was one of the main reasons he wanted to come and play on the Raiders. So um, was it a big, big commitment financially um, for someone his age? But, you know, I realistically think he has by 35, he's still going to be producing really good football. Um, and I, he doesn't have, he hasn't suffered any major injuries so far in his career and he's extremely productive every year. So I think it's worth a chance. I mean, if they're a, you know, a top three receiver in the NFL wants to join your team, I don't think you're going to, um, you know, you're not going to turn that kind of talent down. And um, yeah, and I like, I like the moves that Ziegler made and, and, and McDaniels because if you look back at the Pats offense, you know, they're, they like to be, they, they, especially when they were most successful, you know, they they had that Randy, they had that one year when they had Randy Moss. But besides that, those years, they really haven't had like a true number one big time receiver. But, mm -hmm. you know, when you, when you have that someone that prolific in your offense and, you know, the Raiders already have Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, and there were already a problem for defenses to deal with last year. I mean, you could see Waller and Renfro were constantly double teamed. Um, and that's pretty much the defensive game plan to take one or two, take them away from the game plan. Now with Adams in the mix, like who, who can, what can defenses do? Like, who are you going to focus um, your defensive attention on? And if you focus on Devontae Adams, then Waldo and Renfro are just going to eat, they're going to eat all day long. So it just causes many problems for defenses now to, to do with this Raiders offense. Yeah, I think your biggest unknown is actually Derek Carr, right? So I, I think I'm glad you mentioned it. And I think Gruden never really believed in Carr, and that's why he gave Marcus Mariota a two-year, $19 million contract, who, you know, signed with the Falcons now. So obviously he was a free agent they let walk out, which is good because now you don't really have a QB competition. But then you have a big dependency with Carr, you know, and I think that's going to be – the biggest weak spot. So do you think, you know, you mentioned Adam signed with the Raiders because of Carr. Does that mean they have to extend Carr and keep uh, Carr around as long as they have Devontae Adams? And do you think, um, you know, if you have a chance to upgrade at QB next year, <laughs> do you think they'll shun away from it because they have Adams? Um, what are your thoughts on Carr? Yeah, I think, I think Carr's here to stay. <laughs> I know like the fan base is like 50-50 wanting, you know, there's some that want him to replace, and then then there's Raider fans who want him to stay, um, and and ride or die with them. But I think I think Carr is here to stay for sure. And um, you know, is he a you know top five quarterback in the NFL with like the armor Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert? No, but he's he's good enough to to win in the playoffs, and he's definitely good enough to lead a team. Um, you know, if you know, like Jimmy G, you know, if everything falls in place. They have a solid defense. You know, they have enough weapons on offense where, you know, Carr's not going to be the one who's going to lose the game for you, you know. But so I think he's definitely here to stay. And I think he in in this um Josh McDaniels off new offensive system, I think he can be even more successful than what we've seen him under a Gruden system. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think the NFC or the AFC West is the toughest division now, right? Like I think a lot of people can agree, especially if you look at the quarterback play. Um, you know, where do you think the Raiders stack up against those other teams? You know, with KC, I think always the favorites. I, I think even this year, people are seeing them potentially being AFC champions, right? So it's not just the favorites for for your division. And then mm -hmm. where do 
you know, Chargers getting better, and now Russell Wilson got to the Broncos. So are you nervous, first of all, for for the Raiders in your division? And how do you think uh, how do you, think you guys will do? Yeah, yeah, the division is just stacked. So I think I think Mike asked the question if you know going for Devontae Adams and making that kind of commitment. I think it was really you know what spurred McDaniel's and Ziegler was the moves that the the division was making. You know, if you know if they if they didn't bring in Devontae Adams, you know it would be a challenge to compete with these teams. So I think it was like, um, hey, you know if, if these teams in our division are going to be super aggressive and trying to win now, you know, we can't just let them, you know, get one step ahead of us. So we got to make moves to uh, counter the, counter the, uh, these teams as well. I think it's going to be extremely competitive. I mean, all these teams are extremely talented, but I like the Raiders chances. Um, you know, it's going to be, you know, they have all those teams have weapons both on offense and defense. And I think the Raiders do as well, making these moves with Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams and, and a whole bunch of other moves that they, you know, these players who aren't like big time free agents, but they're definitely filling the void. And um, as far as pl- supplying depth in a lot of key positions that the Raiders didn't have last year. So I think the Raiders can compete. Um, I can't make a prediction as far as if they're going to win the division now, obviously, but right. I think talent, talent wise, I think they're on par with, with these teams. You know, this year the Niners are going to play the Raiders. Um, so we'd love to have you on that week. And uh, maybe we can make some type of jersey bet or something, you know, to make it a little bit fun. <laughs> oh, for sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, and just to add to that, guys, I just think sometimes um, we tend to overhype a lot of these, like, best teams within a division thing. Because, you know, a couple of seasons ago, the NFC West was considered one of the top you know, one of the top divisions in football. But then when you look at it the past year or two, you know, they're not really, you know, they weren't really dominating as we thought they'll be, right? You saw how the Cardinals melted in the playoffs with Kyler Murray um, here. Uh, The Seahawks, you know, really, they weren't really too competitive the last two seasons as well. So it was basically kind of like a two-team race, right, with the Rams and the Niners and the NFC West. We just don't know how the AFC West is going to turn out. Who knows? Maybe the Raiders can turn it to a top team and and jump over over KC and the Chargers here. Who knows how Denver is going to do uh, with Russell Wilson? So I'm just saying it's it's way too early for fans to really um, overhype a division and say it's the best in, in football when we haven't really played any games yet. You know, I do still disagree with you that NC West wasn't the best because we had three playoff teams, right? Three teams in the playoffs, and one of them won the Super Bowl. And I think the same could be said with the AFC West, right? There's going to be – I can't imagine three teams from the AFC West making the playoffs as well, right? And potentially one of them mm-hmm. winning the Super Bowl. So I know you can't really say it now. It's kind of early. But mm-hmm. it seems you can still kind of project, right, at least the way it's yeah. trending. Um, and the way the schedule is going to be played out, you know, and I think the the you can't underestimate, I guess, talent in the end too, and coaching, right? And I think right now that division has the most talent and the best coaches, in my opinion, right? From especially on the AFC side, so so which is you know looking a lot stronger than the NFC. Like a lot of the quarterbacks from the NFC are going to the AFC for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. Well, I applaud the I applaud the Raiders for just being uber aggressive on acquiring a guy like Adams here. They had to do it if they're going to compete. Mm-hmm. So it at least puts them in the map um, here. And you know they have you know a pretty stable quarterback in Carr to kind of lead them there. So they could win you know eleven games or so you know with this lineup. So it's it's pretty promising 
you know, for the fan base. All yeah. right. Cool. Oh, yeah, sorry. I just want to add that the Bengals, the previous year, they were in last place in the division. And then mm-hmm. last year, they added Jamar Chase, and they were in the Super Bowl. So, you know, things can turn around very quickly for NFL teams, especially nowadays. Yeah. They added more offensive linemen, too. So they're looking yeah. looking stronger and stronger. So you never know, I guess, right? So we'll see how it goes. Well, Jeff, hey, well, Jeff, well, one more thing. One more thing, Jeff. I know you follow the Warriors pretty closely, right. and uh, you and I have had some pretty um, extensive conversation about how the team is doing, some of the, the draft picks um, that have been acquired by us. But what's your take on kind of how the season's going, um, specifically with the news of James Wiseman um, here? Uh, it looks like, you know, he was rehabbing pretty well. He was playing in some G League games. They were limiting his minutes. Uh, but lately, you know, they're they're slowing him down. They're shutting him down due to some knee soreness. Some knee soreness. Do you think he's a bust at this point? I would say he he has to be considered a bust at this point. I mean, that's just my honest opinion, considering the, the options they had in the draft um, when they took him. I specifically wanted them to take Lamelo, but it wasn't a popular opinion. He wouldn't, it wouldn't be a popular move in the Bay Area. But I mean, considering I know um, I know Wiseman is still so young, and he definitely has a lot of potential still. But I mean, he really hasn't produced much for this for this franchise. And you see some of the young big men that are in the league today, um, like for one, the guy with Cavs, like Evan Mobley. He's like in the he's in the con conversation to be rookie of the year and i think that's pretty much what you know all worry fans were expecting wiseman to be you know someone of that kind of talent caliber that size mm-hmm. uh, for a young center but it just hasn't materialized so far and, and it's just yeah. looking shaky at this point as far as a, a a pick yeah it seems like a high-risk pick to begin with right like the amount of games that he played in college was what like three <laughs> less than three yeah. so it's it was questionable at the time but i think the warriors were drafting for need rather than best available which unfortunately has its risk right um so i, I agree with you that lamello looking back obviously hindsight 2020 <laughs> was a better pick there but i think they believed in jordan Poole and what he could have brought right and they, they probably saw them as the same player so we're seeing Poole kind of pan out a little bit better now um, but yeah, it would have been nice to have uh, that option there. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I'm not sure if the Warriors foresaw the injury risk with James Wiseman mm-hmm. um, here coming out of college. He didn't really indicate any sort of injury history, both in high school and and his short time, you know, playing in college there. So it's it's tough because when you look at his career so far. You can kind of compare him to Joel Embiid. Embiid was out for two years straight. He didn't play a single game. Mm-hmm. And look how he is right now, right? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. he could turn out into Greg Oden, where Oden only played 105 games in his career. 105. Yeah. That's less than two seasons, <laughs> two full seasons worth um, here. And some other big guys that we can kind of compare to, Yao Ming made it to 486 games. Ralph Sampson made it to 456 you know, that's less than 500 games for a big guy. So it's pretty concerning, to be honest with you. I don't know how to project it, but um, <laughs> we're just going to have to wait and see, I guess. I mean, there's best case scenarios like Blake Griffin, for example, right? Then he missed like the first whole season and look at him now. He's still playing <laughs> in his old age, right? So we, I think we just have to wait and see, like you said. Um, I think it's disappointing, though. I mean, this is supposed to be the year where we kind of run things, right? With Clay back and... 
we thought we're gonna have Curry healthy. That that's putting a damper to the season as well. So, so I think the Warriors just need to prove while Curry's out that they can play without Wiseman and without Curry and and see how many games we can win, right? But definitely would help to have Curry back, especially in the playoffs. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, Curry it looks like he has a sprained foot, guys, and he won't be back into the first round of the playoffs here, but. Do you guys think the Warriors can make a deep push here with an with kind of like an injured Curry coming into the into the playoff round? No wise men, no center depth. Um, what do you what do you guys think? <laughs> I'll let Jeff answer first as our guest here. <laughs> uh it's a good question. It's a good question. I think do they have a chance of winning the championship? Sure, sure, definitely. But I think would they be the the favorites to win the championship? I I don't know. I'm not sure. I think they're they're too dependent on Curry having a monster game to win. Can he can he deliver? Sure, there's games he's gonna deliver monster games. But um, yeah, I mean the NBA is just the playoff teams are just so stacked. I I, I can't I can't honestly say you know if they're gonna be if they'd be holding the trophy at the end of the the tournament, but because there's just so many stacked teams, but yeah, I think it's, they're going to be a little bit too dependent on Curry having huge games. And I think that's going to be the, eventually what catches up to them eventually. Yeah. For me, I've, I have a slightly different take. I do agree. It's pretty stacked. Right. But you know, a lot of times Curry doesn't do so well in the playoffs. Actually, if you look at historically, he has never won MVP. Right. And he always had struggles, especially in the later rounds. So I think guys like Iguodala, why they brought him back because he's a playoff machine, right? Playoff monster. And I guess the only part I'm worried about is really the younger guys, you know, like playing in the regular season, for example, like pool, right? <laughs> playing in the playoffs are a completely different thing. But at least we have some experience from last year, which kind of helps. But let's see how we can integrate guys like Kaminga and Moody a little bit and see if we can get some contributions from them. I don't think we're going to be depending on Curry as much, um, at least initially when we come back. And, you know, we're going to have to live with it. And I think the last few games is going to be telling of how well we're going to make it, you know. So I think it's kind of too early to answer right now. It's mm-hmm. only been one game without, um, you know, without Curry and Draymond got ejected in the third. You know? yeah. so, and we almost still won that game in some ways, right? Just like a controversial ending at the end. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, count the Warriors out, but at the same time, like you said, I don't think they dropped from probably the second favorite team to win the championship to maybe a fifth or sixth at this point. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I know the Vegas odds still have them as second, right? They still have the Suns winning the West, so they're the first, and then the championship going to the Nets or the Suns, and the third being the Warriors, right? So. So we're we're still up there, I think. I think that's a little generous for the Warriors. <laughs> you know, I think they're banking on Curry coming back. That's yep. why the odds are so high there. But I can project at least a fifth, you know, uh, favorite team to win is the Warriors. So, all right. Well, Jeff, thank you very much for uh, coming on our show. Do you want to plug anything for any of our viewers and listeners? Um, how can they find you? Um. No. No. I'm good. I'm, you know. I just... <laughs> I'm not too active or sports crazy on um, on my social media profiles. <laughs> it's mostly family stuff, so it's all good. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you for, yeah, for coming on. You know, I think much appreciated. 
Um, and we'll get you back on, especially when the Warriors or the uh, Raiders play the Niners. You know, <laughs> I think it'll be a, a fun conversation then. So oh. thanks a lot, Jeff Wong, everyone. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, cool. It's interesting to always get like a different perspective, uh, especially in a different division as well. You know, and yeah. I think I echo your sentiment in some ways about Devontae Adams. Um, well, I, I think he was the best free agent wide receiver, you know, so they had to make a move. I think sharp iron sharpens iron, that division is getting sharper and you're gonna fall behind, right? And I yeah, think I mean, like the way too, you know, it's not like they're rebuilding. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was surprised that Devontae Adams is 30 years old and he only, I mean, he only has quote unquote two, I mean, two Pro Bowl appearances. I thought he would have a little bit more than that on there. It just seems like he's been in the league for a while, right? And maybe he, maybe he didn't dominate until later in his career. Um, but hopefully he has some legs left to kind of put some good years in for the Raiders. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. I think he has a good chance to, at least, you know, with Josh McDaniel's system. Yeah. Um, this is probably the best wide receiver he's had um, in his whole career, you know. <laughs> Thinking back from the Broncos and from the Patriot years, uh, I don't think they've ever had a true number one wide receiver, you know. Like, Gronk was their first option. He's a tight end, so. Yeah, definitely. Let's kind of talk about some of the NFL stuff that we – brushed up on earlier um some of the quarterbacks are just getting swooped up don't you think you know matt ryan to the colts uh, for a third round pick um here saints re-signing jamais winston to a two-year deal um with 21 million guaranteed uh the falcons agreeing to a, a contract uh, with marcus mariota but that but you know, that leaves one quarterback that's still unsigned, still not traded, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo um, here. Well, Baker Mayfield, too, right? So it's not like he's the best available, in my opinion. Yeah. So it looks like, in my opinion, Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of stuck in no man's land, and the Niners are stuck with just keeping, keeping him, you know, on the roster for now. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen? No one wants Jimmy, according to Jeannie Lou. Thanks for the comment, Jeannie. <laughs> you know what? I'm getting, I think I'm almost leaning towards the Niners just cut bait and release Jimmy. Um, I'm not, I was actually watching some of the pro days um, for or the pro days uh, clips and highlights of rookie quarterbacks coming in, right? I think we're actually underestimating some of these quarterbacks. I was looking at uh, the guy from Liberty. You know, Mills something. He's looking pretty good, you know. Like, he has the experience. He has, like, a f- four years in college, two of Auburn. And he was a uh, bull MVP for the last two years that he was there, you know. Given it's Liberty, so it's not yeah. a tough division. But wouldn't you rather have that guy instead of Lance? You know, so I'm wondering if if the Niners might have made a mistake there in some ways. And the guy has an arm. Like, there's a clip online where the guy – through for you know 60 plus yards right with no problems and he looked like a really team guy because after he did that he kind of shook hands of all the you know right receivers out there that was helping him out and the coaches and things like that so it's not like he's a bad guy it seems like it seems like a leader you know so he also i think at this point our only chance really is um i think the panthers obviously are desperate for a qb um, they realize Sam Darnold's not 
not the answer. Yeah. And I think the Seahawks, but they're in our division, so unlikely. And maybe the Texans, if they want to move away from Davis Mill or let Davis Mills hold a clipper for a year, similar to what we did with Lance, right? But I don't think that's an ideal destination for Jimmy G, for who's already in this situation. And I don't um, buy into the fact that Jimmy G got the surgery and was trying to you know, harm the Niners in some ways. I think he wanted a fresh start as well. You know, I think he wanted a new team. I think it's the best interest of Jimmy to be out of our roster as well. You know, so, but I think people are just worried that he's not going to make it for training camp. They're worried about the 25 mil that's guaranteed to him, you know, and whereas Baker's 18 million. So he's a little bit more desirable. He'll be ready for training <laughs> camp at OTAs. So in, in some ways, they're kind of comparable in terms of talent, but what Jimmy has over um, Baker is the leadership factor in the playoff experience, right? But is it really worth that $7 million difference and waiting until he gets healthy, you know? So I think there's a lot of unknowns, but at the end of the day, I feel like it's either Jimmy will get traded during the draft or right before it, or they have to cut him, you know? So... What do you think? I think they could afford to wait, to be honest with you. And then if there's no suitors, they'll just have to cut him. Yeah. Right. He says, uh, I'd take Jimmy over Baker, though. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people would from the Niners' perspective because we know him so well. But I'm not sure other teams are thinking the same. They're only looking at the price tag and their abilities, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, but I think another thing that's going against the Niners is also the waiting game. Right, like everyone knows, the Niners have to cut Jimmy, right? And if they cut Jimmy, then you can renegotiate with Jimmy G for a lesser contract, not lose any draft picks. So there's no pressure for other teams to trade as well. Um, so I think that's why it's so grim, you know, because I feel like in the beginning of this off season, I think it was almost like a, a sure bet that we would have had Jimmy traded by now. And the fact it hasn't happened and there's less and less options, there's a little bit of a panic in Niners land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, uh, I just think the Bay Area and just just uh, the team in general has overvalued Jimmy uh, to the point where we think we could get a couple high round picks. But honestly, what we're seeing on TV is what the rest of the NFL is seeing on TV. And that's inconsistency. It's a guy who can't make all the throws. It's a guy who throws a lot of interceptions. It's a guy who's not going to, you know, lead you to win games by himself. He's going to need talent around him. And it's like we all see that, but then we all kind of cloud ourselves to think that, okay, Jimmy is a great quarterback, you know. Let's get let's get like two second-round picks for him. When in reality, what we see is what everyone else is seeing, guys. Like, basically – He's not a really good quarterback, right? He's a he's a bottom tier kind of quarterback that needs a lot of talent around him, and that's what we're seeing in free agency is you know a lot of quarterbacks being taken, you know, ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the difference is with what the Niners fans see and what the public sees is we're also seeing the other side of it, right? Where he's a locker room leader, he's a mentor to Trey Lance, so you have a tendency to give him the benefit of the doubt, right? I think naturally yeah. you want your own starting quarterback to do well so you're willing to ignore some of the deficiencies on the field and have 
you know, his likability, right? He's obviously more likable than Baker, you know? I think that's why most Niner fans would take him over Jimmy or over Baker, right? It's because he's the leader, because he's such a positive guy and such a mature dude, right? Like, he he basically sucked it up for a year and played behind Trey Lance, knowing Lance is going to replace him. And he still took it in stride, very professional, right? So we see that side of things. But I think other teams outside the Bay Area – isn't really considering that, or maybe that's like a smaller factor towards their decision to sign him than the fans perspective. Right. So yeah, a lot of scouts on other teams, a lot of like GMs, they're not, they're not asking owners or they're not asking, um, you know, York and, and those guys, Oh, how's Jimmy in the locker room? Is he a great leader? Is and all that. They're just watching the film, right? right? That's all they're watching. And they're trying to kind of compare him to all the quarterbacks available. And he's just not really fitting in. And it's just unfortunate because with the surgery as well, that just kind of makes his trade value dwindle, you know, as the weeks go by. And I must give a shout out to, you know, um, Eric Armstead, George Kittle and D4 for <laughs> restructuring their contracts and making room, right? And that, I guess a lot of credit goes to Parag. Um, so what, reading more into it, they're paying out their year salary and bo- signing bonuses to be able to make room so that we don't have to cut Jimmy. I and mean, the deadline was Wednesday of last week. We would have had to cut Jimmy to be under the cap. And after doing that restructuring, now we don't have to, right? So mm-hmm. they bought a lot of time for Jimmy. So it kind of shows the culture of the team as well, that they were kind of making smart moves in terms of the salary. I was looking at the dead cap for – um, the Niners is about $5 million. And you compare that to the Falcons, actually, between Julio Jones being you know, cut or traded and Matt Ryan now being traded, they're actually $60 million plus in dead cap money. You know? yeah. so that's really limiting what that franchise can do. Unfortunately, the Niners are smarter about their money, you know, and we can make some moves, actually, if we do cut Jimmy because there's no dead cap with Jimmy. Right, that twenty-five millions off the books. I think maybe millions stays on there, but you can do a lot with twenty-four million. You can re-sign Bosa, you can re-sign Debo, and maybe even get a difference maker out there. You know, so yeah. So we'll see how things progress, but um, I'm leaning towards him being released at this point. Yeah. Any quick thoughts about the Niners uh, signing um, Ray McLeod? Ray That's- Ray. Ray McLeod to a two-year deal um, here, a punt returner, and also Hassan Ridgeway, defensive line to a one-year one-year deal. Um, I like the Ray 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 McLeod deal, um, but I heard that he fumbles a lot or drops a lot of balls, um, especially um, during punt punt returns. So that could be an issue. Um, but what are your thoughts about those two signings, real quick? Yeah, I like Ray Ray. I thought he was good. I, th- I heard about the fumbling and all that stuff, but I think he's, you know, I think it was more earlier in his career. He did decent with the Steelers. I think Steelers would have loved to keep him if they were actually really serious about contending, but I think the Steelers are kind of in a little bit of a rebuild mode. And then Hassan, I think uh, that marks the end of Arden Key, right? I think that's after we signed Hassan, um, he went to go visit Detroit and the Jags. So I think Arden Key's gone, but... You know, I have a lot of faith in this 
franchise when it comes to defensive line and defensive ends, right? They they know what they're doing and linebackers, right? They're really good up front, you know. So I don't I think uh, Hassan's probably gonna be one of those guys where we didn't think much of him, and one of these days he's gonna make a couple good plays in back to back games, and we're gonna know his name, you know. <laughs> so yeah. the Niners have been really good about doing that and highlighting guys like that. So all right. Let's move on to some baseball stuff here. Oh. You know, it's been what a couple of weeks since they agreed on coming back to spring training, and they're playing some games, and you know, players are being acquired um, here. But you know, in addition to uh, what Jock Peterson, you know, he was uh, he was signed by the Giants. I thought that was a pretty solid move. Um, but you know, we really had a chance to get Trevor Story. Right, but he signed with the Red Sox, and he, they agreed to a six-year deal worth 140 million dollars. And we talked about this in the last episode or two about the Giants not signing guys to long-term contracts. Here, do you think the Giants are hurting themselves, you know, by not being aggressive enough in free agency and getting guys like Trevor Story to come play for them? You know, I feel like they have a lot of faith in their current roster. And this is shown with Darren Ruff, right? They gave him a two-year deal for $6.25 million, buying out his arbitration, arbitration years. So, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, if you put Darren Ruff on the Dodgers, for example, he'd probably be the worst player on the team. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> so or the analytics are they're making some analytics math there and making a miracle out there. Or there's being blind faithfulness, you know, and we kind of see that in the past as well, where the Giants kind of keep guys for a little bit too long, you know. So, uh, what's up, G says I need to get that spring training hat. Have you seen a spring training hat? I don't know if I've. Seen well, there's. It. Well, he's he says there's a spring training G hat. Right? Oh, <laughs> <that> Giants hat, <laughs> the spring training G Giants hat. <laughs> Yeah, I have to check that out, but yeah, cool. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I think fans are really concerned because Posey and Chris Bryant are not in the middle of the lineup anymore, and who have the Giants really um, replaced them with, right? Yeah. Jock Peterson. And here's what Jeannie said. Giants never sign a long contract, especially because they really believe in their upcoming prospects. Well, they gave Evan Longoria a big contract, right? And a few other people I can name. I think they're traumatized from the Matt Cain contract, actually, if you think about it, right? After he signed the big contract, he was never really the same, and they were kind of stuck with him. And they avoided a disaster with Bumgarner by not signing him to a long-term contract. So maybe they're learning from those two signings to not give out big contracts unless a guy's proven they can play for 10 plus year. Yeah. So, it was and, it was not only the Matt Cain contract, but it was also yeah. going outside and signing Jeff Samarja mm-hmm. to quite a few years and also to Johnny Cueto, in which he was injured for most of that time. Yeah, and too. Zito, right? Like Jeannie pointed out, traumatized by Zito. So I think pitching, they're definitely not giving big contracts to pitching. They're learning that lesson. Um, But maybe bats, they need to consider a little bit more. You know, maybe the Evan Longoria one was the big um, they're stuck with, but he's still producing, right? So Also for a long time, Jerry, a lot of hitters did not want to come play at AT AT&T Park Mm -hmm. just because their numbers would definitely dwindle. 
you know, their home run, you know, they're going to hit less home runs, you know. Um, yeah, the, a lot of it's about stats. So a lot of hitters just didn't want to come here, too. But they modified the park now, right? So isn't it like, you know, isn't it better now? I don't know. Like I don't know. I think it's still pretty tough to hit home runs, at least to right field. You know, that, that wall is still pretty pretty daunting, and the alleys are still fairly deep. Right. And you're still going to play in a cold weather a lot of times, too, at night and the wind. So it's tough unless unless you can find guys who just want to win, you know, purely. <laughs> then we're going to have to try to develop talent like what Jeannie mentioned. You don't think uh, we'll get a guy like Carlos Correa or something to come in here <laughs> eventually? Yeah, I think he's all, he's just asking for a lot of money, too. You know, we're just not going to be in competition for those free agents. That's true. That sucks, man. That sucks. You know, I think uh, this team has a lot of potential. Um, but I wouldn't count them out, though, right? Because last season, you remember, we, we were kind of pessimistic about them before the season started. And lo and behold, one of the best records in, you know, in the regular, best record in regular season we made the playoffs, right? So, hey, at any time, you could always change your over-under and 85.5 wins for the whole season, Jerry. You know, yeah. I know it was an overwhelming choice last <laughs> week to go for the over here. But, you know, after hearing this, do you think that's changed your mind at all about the 85.5? I think you picked, what, 93 wins or 95 wins? Here, the, I, yeah. You can always alter your choice there, Jerry, to like, you know, maybe 80, 88, 89 wins or lower. No, I'll stick with the over for now. You know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> the uh sign more more players. Maybe it'll be changed, you know. <laughs> I think that's uh, – Freddie Freeman was a shocker, right? I, I don't think we talked too much about that. But what were your thoughts on that one, man? Like Freddie Freeman was – I didn't think they had enough money to sign them, but I guess no one cares about the luxury tax anymore. You know? No, I think in, once Matt Olson was traded to the Braves, mm. um, Freddie Freeman was connected to the Dodgers instantly. Really? Wow. Yeah. So mm. that's kind of the, what the scenario was. And the, the thing with baseball as opposed to football is that you know, in baseball, if you go over whatever cap there is, you just pay, what, a small fine, right, in relative to the revenue that you're making um, in the sport, as opposed with football and basketball, you're paying a huge, huge fine. You can't do it, right? Yeah, There's in football, you can't do it. And then yeah. in basketball, I think you could do it, but you pay a huge, huge fine for that. And it comes out of the, the team and the owner's expense. Right. So. And then... Jeannie Lou says, oh, Freddie, I feel like he doesn't belong on that Dodger, <laughs> Dodgers team. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, it was, I guess he's always been a guy where I thought he was a pretty good player, you know, and good character dude as well. <laughs> so that's why I think it's a little bit disappointing to see him in our rival, right? So, but, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go to our picks of the week. All right, picks of the week. We only have one. Uh, so, second game without Curry. This time, hopefully, Draymond doesn't get ejected. You know, he was uh, fine 25K last game. Mm -hmm. But the Warriors are favored um, at 7.5 um, versus Orlando tonight. And over under is 214.5. Uh, okay. Who do you have, Mike? Yeah, it's a pretty, it was a pretty devastating loss to the Spurs. 
at home uh, this past weekend here. And, you know, for, I think the Warriors have responded really good um, after losses. Um, so I'm going to pick the Warriors in this one, you know, on the road um, here at Orlando. They're not that great of a team. Um, you know, Vegas picked them seven and a half point favorites. I think they're going to win by like five points or so. Um, I think Clay Thompson's going to be playing right and Wiggins will be out there. So I'm going to expect some pretty big games from those two in addition to Jordan Poole. So I'm going to pick the Warriors and I'm also going to pick the over on this one. I think it's going to be a fairly high scoring game um, here at 214.5. And I just expect the Warriors to win. What are your thoughts? So do you think you said it was a five point game though, right? So why aren't you taking Orlando at that point? Because the Warriors are favored. So I think they're fair of what seven and a half? Yeah. Right? But then if they win by if they win by five. They have to cover. Oh, yeah, they have to cover. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Uh, here. I had it reversed, guys. Yeah, that's so, why that's why it was correct you. Okay. So that's the case though. I do think the Warriors will cover um here, and I think that they're gonna they're going to win by eight or nine points against Orlando. It's going to be a higher scoring game than what we've seen before. Um, but I just think the Warriors are going to bounce back. They're going to watch some film. Jordan Poole will go off a little bit um, here. So picking the Warriors. How about you? You know, I'm feeling a lot more pessimistic after that conversation <laughs> with Jeff and you. So maybe that's that's stemming from it. You say it's five and a half also maybe fed into it a little bit. But sorry, I'm going to pick Orlando plus seven and a half. You know, I still think the Warriors will win. Yeah. Seven and a half just seems, seems like a lot to overcome without Curry there. They're still trying to figure it out, right? Figure out <laughs> roles and things like that. But you, you are right. Orlando's terrible, right? They're not a great team. It's just a road game. No faith, you know, for me in a road game. Anything could happen when you're on the road. So, but I think seven and a half points I feel pretty safe with. Um, Orlando plus seven, seven and a half. 214.5 was kind of interesting. It's actually the lowest over under of the day, you know, mm -hmm. very shocking. Usually the Warriors are up in the 220, sometimes 230 range. Uh, maybe because they don't feel like Curry's there. Um, but using one of the lines way too low like that or way too high, I tend to go with the win, you know. So I'm going to take the under because mm. maybe Vegas knows something we don't. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe there's something there, right? Maybe there's something that they see defensively that tips the scale there. So that's why it's so low. So I'm going to go with the under. But, yeah, it should be a good game, I think. This will be one of those things, right? I think the next couple games are going to be really telling of how the Warriors handle themselves about Curry. Curry has become a safety net for the Warriors a lot of times, you know? And so, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's go through our shout-outs here. Yeah, yeah. So, Jeannie Liu, and what's up, G? Thank you for tuning in, as always. I think uh, much appreciated on the comments. You guys add a lot to the show when you guys comment, right? So, um, one last thing before we sign off is we never talked about the Curry injury in detail, I think, right? So did you think that was dirty by Marcus Smart, or what do you think? I honestly – I, I watched a couple replays of it. I thought it was a it was a basketball play. I'm not going to say if it was dirty or not, but it was a basketball play. And I don't think Marcus Smart had intent of hurting him, right? But – Honestly, when you're categorized as a dirty player or as a rough player, as Marcus Smart has been, you kind of put yourself in these type of situations, 
uh, right? Um, so he put himself in that situation to kind of bang up against Curry's um, foot. So you can call it dirty, you can call it whatever it is um, here, but it didn't look like he had intent. So right. I'm, I'm going to call it a not dirty play, but unfortunate that it had to come from a dirty player. <laughs> it was reckless for sure. And I think the Celtics were playing really aggressively, right? Because I, I think they felt like a finesse game wouldn't beat the Warriors. You know, the Warriors are a better finesse team. So they try to out-physical them. And I think that was the result, you know. And we have a comment from What's Up G. He didn't think it was dirty either. Yeah. And he said he was blocking out. As he was diving for the ball. Yeah, I agree. It just looked bad, right? Especially, I think, the continuation of the play looked really bad, too, where, you know, he was basically jump-kicking Clay um, on the replay. That looked terrible. And some of the stills, like photos of that, looked really bad, right? I think that made it look worse than it actually was. But I agree. Tend to agree with you guys. Not dirty, but reckless. Probably could have been avoided. Um, yeah. But, Yeah. Unfortunately, it's at our expense, right? So, Yep, definitely. Well, guys, it was a good one this week. Thanks again to our guest, Jeff Huang, for coming on to our show to talk about the Raiders and the Warriors here. And we will see you guys all next week. Take care, everyone. Sure. Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast, at Mike408, at MindOfJerry11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.